Hello, and welcome to In Star Trek We Trust. This week we will be discussing Strange New Worlds. Those Old Scientists. Episode 7 of the second season. So it's Strange New Worlds. Those Old Scientists. Lower Decks TOS. That's correct. Were you, sorry, people can't see this. Were you confused by me holding up a seven? Were you like, what is he doing? A little bit. Oh, I thought you didn't know what episode number was. That's why I was going. And then I was like, mouthing to you. Yeah. Star Trek seven? When did we decide on that? No. <laughs> yeah, we're not talking about generations. Um, but before we get to the episode, some recent developments. Mm hmm. Yeah. So they're canceling all of Star Trek. What the fuck? <laughs> taking it off of uh, yeah off. well Whatever. so obviously comic-con happened last saturday today is now tuesday we've been you know sort of recording everything so we're now just getting up to speed and um talking about our thoughts on comic-con so we didn't get a chance to talk about it when we were recording our episode yesterday so we were saving it for this one since this episode came out and debuted at comic-con and we thought it was only proper to bucket all the comic-con news items in with this episode so we got a little bit of uh some things we uh you know we got some news on the upcoming and final season of discovery some more news on the upcoming episodes of strange new worlds which one being a musical and we got more info on season four of star trek lower decks as well as its release date which is going to be september 7th so Firstly, Discovery. We okay. got a what was it? About it was about a five minute scene. We got a featurette about the new season, but we also got like a you know interviews with the cast and everything, talking about how great they think the show is. And then we got that five minute scene, totally out of context. Actually. Totally out of context. Yes. And uh, why don't you start? I mean. All I can say about it is that um Tell us what happened in the scene first. Okay, so so we see Michael with some kind of villain, some blonde lady seems to be a villain. And they're getting away in a ship, and Michael is in a spacesuit and is grabs onto their ship literally from the outside on her space uh, with her spacesuit and they're then they go into warp and she's climbing around on the outside of the ship while they're at warp and then there's a, a federation ship that is locked onto them with the tractor beam and so the scene is michael trying to take out their engine somehow and yelling at the federation ship to let go of their warp i mean their their tractor beam and the whole time it's a lot of her like yelling and bouncing around space and yelling at people and out of context it just it seemed not the most effective scene they sh could have chosen talking to a faceless captain we don't even see them on the other ship and then the discovery shows up at one point yeah and it's just kind of she's saying let go with your tractor people they say no but you have to they say no we don't want to and she says but you must they say no well, it's, it's Michael. Says, but you have to. And they say, okay, fine. And it's it's pretty much, it's just five minutes of that. It's it's Captain Marvel, Michael, wannabe, trying to pull this off and saying, you know, you know you, you've got to let me do it. You got, I've got to do this. I've got to do this. You know, I know. And so, of course, it's, you know, the whole thing is predicated on Michael just being, just being able to be, to do anything. And everybody's got to listen to her. Because nobody's going to have the captain go out and do that. Of course. Oh, so, with, without going on a long, tireless, tire, tired, I should say tired rant about all of this. Tired tirade. I'm, I'm watching it and I'm just, I mean, first off, it's more of the same, right? It's, it's, you watch it and you think, yep, that's the discovery I know. But I'm also watching it, and to your point, it is out of context. I would say about a minute in, I'm just like, I'm getting a little bored with this. And then about three minutes in, I'm saying to myself, like, what is happening right now? Like, what are we even doing? 
I don't yeah. understand this. I did a little 10 second skip a couple of times. Right. And now <laughs> tell, I just want to get your thoughts before we move on to this. When she actually gets off the ship and gets onto discovery, please, please, please give me <laughs> your thoughts on this. When she's ragdolling I mean, through space and then. Well, I mean, okay. So I will just say in, in, uh, in fairness to them, she seemed to have some sort of a future jet pack space. Stabilizer. Yeah. She was ragdolling through space. She was kind of flying. Yeah. And then she got beamed a split second before she hit the view screen. She got beamed to the just the other side of the view screen. And I said to you, I think she came through it. Or something. Yeah, you got through it. Yeah. And then she stumbled through uh, to her chair and sat down. So it's just, I guess it was supposed to seem like she's very badass. Yeah. I suppose. I mean, when it really seemed a little, a little silly. Let's let's be honest though. I mean, it was certainly a, a a somewhat of a spectacular, you know, spectacle to watch. But that's kind of all it was. I mean, it was just, it was a really cool visual. It was visually, it was stunning as the show has continued to be. But it just that was it. That's all it was. Were they important? Are they important to the season? Is that just like an opening scene to show? Here's what they're up to now. What is? Yeah, I was wondering if it was something like last season when they opened, when last season opened up, and her and Book were on that planet. It was those like butterfly people. I think they were giving them, were they giving them dilithium? I can't remember what it was. And then the whole thing went wrong, and so they had to like run. And they were like, remember that they were they were like running through. I forget what it was, but that was an okay episode. But I thought I thought to myself, it seemed very much in the style of that opening scene. So I so you raise an interesting point. Is that scene? that we saw for season five, is that going to be sort of the opening scene or is that sort of something sort of almost humorous or like maybe a little bit more fun. That's not related to what the actual plot of the season is going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just glad that, um, I'm glad that strange new worlds doesn't have any action scenes that last that long. Right. Right. Tedious. That's very tedious, but as we know, it's going to be the final season. The show will be um, wrapping it up after that season. And I hope they pull it off this season, finally. A consistently good season. I, I hope they do it. It's very possible. I mean, it, it seemed like the show was improving very slightly as seasons went on, but we'll see. That's uh, But that's not till early 2024. We have a little while. Then we have... So let's... Star Trek Lower Decks Season 4 is debuting on September 7th, the day before Star Trek Day. And they did something that I was very excited that they were going to, that I I got very excited about. And I had said many times I wish they would do this. And that was all in the form of the trailer they released. They made a very earnest attempt to imitate the original voiceover artist who used to narrate the first three and three and like maybe a quarter seasons of TNG, which was Mr. Ernie Anderson, who was the, you know, best known as the voiceover for ABC, things like, and things like America's Funniest Home Videos. Star Trek fans know him as the voice who said, who would say, you know, next time on Star Trek, the next generation. So, I was sort of thrilled that they that they did that. It wasn't obvious to me right away. I think it was like maybe a minute in. I was like, wait, are they imitating? And it seemed like that's what they were doing. I was yeah. hoping they'd go a little bit further with it, but yeah. Star Trek. That's but, when I noticed uh, it. But I first noticed it when they said, the crew of the USS Cerritos. And then they kind of went through everyone on the crew. I thought yeah. that was very, yeah. 90s TV style. I wanted them to I I I think it would have been great if they had like sort of leaned into it a little bit more like they had the they had the lower decks logo animate in the same way the TNG logo did in that trailer in those original trailers. They had the same kind of like transitions that they would use across like different scenes. So I, if they'd done it like a little bit more leaned more into it, I think that would have been I would I think that would have been great. But I love that they did it anyway and I'm I 
<laughs> I was telling you the other day that I said, I kind of feel like, because I remember posting this, like, it must have been like a year ago, maybe, I don't even know, on Twitter, like, I posted the season one trailer for Next Generation, which was done in that style. And I think I tag, I, I definitely at mentioned Mike McMahon, who's the creator of Lower Decks, and I said, Lower Decks needs to, needs to like, do trailers like this. And, <laughs> I mean, he didn't. He listened. I didn't, he didn't respond to me. He didn't like it. So I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying, oh, it's because of me, but I, I couldn't help but wonder, like, did he, did he see it? Did anybody else tell him to do that? Like, did anybody else on social media mention that? Like, I don't know. I just, um, you can't be a TNG fan from the back in the day and not remember those trailers. And I think you and I talked about how it seemed kind of absurd that they had not yet done that. Yes. Seemed ripe for the um, seemed like low hanging fruit, really. But the lower decks trail, I mean, looks fun. I mean, it looks like we're gonna get you know a lot more of uh, what makes the show so great. Um, yeah. Wasn't really like hearing Mariner say that Pike thing we're not supposed to talk about, right? Which so I'm sure. that that's being mentioned. Yeah. So looking forward to that. I did see very briefly in the trailer, like just if one thing that stuck out to me. They seem to be, we do see a brief glimpse of the bridge from Voyager. So I'm wondering if they're on the holodeck doing something from Voyager. Um, it looks like. The, the, yeah, the holodeck um, movie episode yeah. again. That'd be great. Yeah. I, I do hope, and I was sort of hoping we'd see it in the trailer, but I really hope that we see the doctor from Voyager on that show. I think that Picardo, Robert Picardo would be really great playing that character on that show. And it just seems perfect for it. And I, he's the one legacy character that I'm kind of shocked hasn't returned yet. And cause he's so liked, he's so loved by the fans. And I, I was not expecting yeah. him to see him like on Picard, but lower decks, I definitely think would be the best place for him. Yeah. Because you could see that they would stumble on that program. Right. Computer. And it would be great. I could see like Boimler having his own, like creating his own or something like that in his. Yeah. Yeah. I, I prefer to use the, uh, Voyager doctor skin when I, when I, uh, go to the, the, the EMH Mark one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the last news item, so we're getting apparently we're getting a musical episode of Strange New Worlds called Subspace Rhapsody, and they released a full trailer for it. Give me anything. Yeah, I think it looks great. I mean, I think that um, you know it's a fun thing to do. It's a lot of shows have done it since I think it was Buffy the Vampire Slayer that was the first. Yep, and um, it's sort of become a thing. And you know, they're I think they're always pretty fun. So I I think it's great, and you know. It's Star Trek, so there are a million different ways that they could make that happen that everyone has to sing. Um, and I think it looks it looks uh, looked nice. I wonder if it's actually all of them singing because there was the singing sounded really good. When that Buffy episode came out back in like it was like the early two thousands, I believe. I remember that even as far back then, they had been there had been rumors that they wanted to do a musical episode of Enterprise. Because that episode, the Buffy episode came out. I didn't watch that show, but I remember, I remember when that episode aired. And it kind of created like these small like shockwaves in like genre television. Like, oh, it's a, are other shows going to try to do this as well? Because it was a little bit of a shocking thing to see. It was. It was. And um, I don't know why I'm thinking the X-Files tried to do something like that too, but maybe I'm No, maybe. The thing is that, I hope that, um, I hope that, Change the world does it also in in the Buffy episode. It was a demon that made people sing. And you know, probably in Strange New Worlds and Star Trek, it's going to be some sort of alien intelligence that's right. going to probably force them into doing it, right? Yeah. Um, so I hope they do keep it in world and not have it be. I think it's. I would imagine it's going to be something like, say, in the Naked Time, when like you have that one disease that everyone's like falling in love with each other and they want to have sex. Like it seems like it could be something like that. But I've got to say this too. I mean, I'm not a musical, I'm not into musicals, but, you know, obviously I love Star Trek, so that means I'm totally going to watch it, but I'm, you know, it's a new idea, it's interesting. You know, but given that episode, and then even given the one that we're about to review, you can't, even if you don't like the current slew of Trek shows, you can't tell me that they're not trying new things, right? 
they're not afraid to really take these big swings, which I truly appreciate. You know, whether they work or not. I mean, yeah, they, yeah. back to what we said about Strange New Worlds is that they can try something and it's just one episode. Right. So they give them a lot more room to try all these things, which they've really been trying a lot of crazy things. Right. Like human for an episode. And I would imagine uh, that's when we talk about Anson Mount, because I think you had mentioned this a few weeks ago. You were referring back to something I think Anson Mount said where he said something, his exact quote was something like, you know, refer when he was referring to season two, saying, you know, this is unlike any Trek season we've we've ever seen. Like it does, he's like he was like really building it up, to, like it was very. Yeah. He said the lower decks crossover. He said that's very, we got much stranger than that or something. Right, like, and much easier than that. And you had said, I remember you said something like, "So far, I've not seen." I don't know what he's talking about. He must be referring to not only he must be referring to this because this is not yeah. like anything we've it's seen on Trek before. Something that you know they've been hyping lower decks crossover, but they didn't hype this until just they just started. We didn't know about it. Yeah, we didn't know anything about it. Pretty exciting that you can have big surprises like this that you are saving. You know what? We're doing. They're doing a great job. You know what I think it does too. Just if I could bring this point home on my side, is I think it makes the series all the more accessible to people because. I, if they, this show is really going hard into trying new things. I mean, again, a musical, you had the storybook episode last season, just doing these sort of crazy, some of these crazy, crazy ideas. And again, I would say taking big swings. And I think it just makes the show seem more accessible to people who may, you know, because I know somebody who watches the show and loves it and is not a Star Trek fan. And when I told him there was a musical episode coming, I showed him the trailer. He's like, oh my God, like, what is this? Like, and he got like really, really excited. You may have somebody who, you know, loves musicals or something or loves and they, and that catches their attention and they may want to watch it. I just, I think Strange New Worlds broadly, just again, with all the different things it's been doing is really bringing in new fans because they're just, they're trying all these different things. And I, I truly appreciate them, them doing that. You might get uh, theater kids might now be interested. Yes. Or former theater kids. Either. Totally. Yeah, well, awesome. let's talk about those old, the those old scientists. I almost said these old scientists. Those old scientists. The, as I said in our last episode, the highly anticipated crossover between Strange New Worlds and Lower Decks. So this episode was directed by somebody named Jonathan Frakes. Hmm. I think he's your favorite director. He, he I got to say, he didn't um, do anything weird. He didn't. Well, no, he did good. But it was written by Catherine Lynn and Bill Walkoff. Now, these two, Catherine Lynn is actually a... I believe she's actually a staff writer on Lower Decks. Oh, excuse me. She's an executive story editor on Lower Decks. Hmm. I think that was a very good choice to have a Lower Decks writer write it because totally comedy is probably harder to do. Once you have the story to get all those little jokes in there and to get the voice of Mariner and, and Boimler, mm-hmm. I think that was a smart choice and it worked out. And she has written... She's been a producer on Strange New Worlds. As we know, all these Star Trek shows have no shortage of producers. And she's written two episodes of Strange New Worlds. She wrote this one. She co-wrote this one. And she actually wrote Shreds from a couple weeks ago. Um, In addition to Trek, she's worked on shows 3022, which I... Remember saying that for somebody recently? Maybe back when we did Shreds. So I must have given her her, uh, her, uh, filmography back then. Mm. So, but just do it again. Fear Incorporated, Find Me, The Call. These are things she's been producers on. Um, she's a writer previously. Again, I mentioned Stranger Worlds, Lower Decks. She's also written Howard's Mill, Come in San Diego, and a story called Find Me. The other writer, Bill Wolkoff, among his writing credits, Strange New Worlds, Star Wars Rebels. Oh, nice. He wrote 
Do you know? So he wrote, uh, I don't know. So I'll just say the episodes to you. He wrote Brothers of the Broken Horn, The Future of the Force, and The Call. Do you remember those episodes? Not specifically. Okay. The whole series is quite good. But among other shows, he's written Once Upon a Time, Tron Uprising, G.I. Joe Renegades, The Wild, and a sitcom in 1998 starring Tom Selleck, The Closer. He has an upcoming episode of Strange New Worlds, Subspace Rhapsody. So he's, I don't think, I don't know if he's the sole writer, but he's at least attached to it. So great. Got it. So good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, Mm -hmm. with all that stuff out of the way. So here we are. The, the crossover episode we've been waiting for, they announced at, they announced at last Comic Con, actually. Ah, yes. So. It was everything I hoped it would be. I, you know what? It was more than I hoped it would be. And a little more, but yes. Because it managed to actually get heartwarming at points that I didn't expect that. Right. Right. And they did, they did these little extra things that I truly appreciated. So starting the episode in lower decks like animated like in the animated lower decks yes series. even the opening the op- oh so well the opening was just i didn't even notice it right away because now i never skipped the opening of strange new worlds i just let it play and sometimes i'll just like you know either check my phone or something like that so i wasn't really so i'm like okay the opening title so i just kind of glanced at my phone for a minute and something made me look up at the tv screen and I noticed it when we saw the nacelle caps spinning. And I was like, what? And then they showed the Enterprise fully going into warp. And I'm just like, oh, my God, it's in Lower Deck style. And not only was it in Lower Deck style, but they add the glowing worm attached to the nacelle. And they add the koala at the very, very end. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it really, well, I think it was maybe even better than Lower Deck style. I think it was too. More, de- yeah. more detailed. It really looked good. It made me really want to see a show in that depth of detail. Right. Animated. Right. Um, I it I truly appreciate them taking it that far. I mean, the last time they did something like this, I think, must have been when Enterprise did those two part Mirror Universe episodes where they changed the opening for right. that. And for that, it was so much easier because I think they used an existing piece of music and they use just stock footage of yeah. war. I think this they probably more expensive than that. I think for that, they filmed like one thing that they added to it. They showed like the Terran empire planting a flag on the moon, oh, right, but I think right. that was it. I, I don't think they did anything else. Right. I think they just added they, all, everything they used was existing, was existing footage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So but both are fun and very surprising. It's, it's, you know, these are the types of things that I'm sure, uh, studios might say might not understand the expense, but they're so worth it. Right. So tell me, you know, you said to me just a second ago that it was uh, surprisingly um, heartwarming. So elaborate, if you don't mind. Oh, no, no, no. So of course it's funny. I mean, even most of my notes are just lines, just quotes because it's so funny. Right. Um, but I think that it got more heartwarming when there was a conversation with Pike and Pike was talking about his father. And then Mm. uh, Boydmore made the good point. Think about all the members of this crew that this would be very important for them to have this time to thank you and appreciate you and talk to you. Yeah. Um, And actually got through to him when they were trying to dance around the fact that he's going to be, you know, put in a box with a light soon. Right, uh, and I really like that Mariner did a kind of. She sort of um, like when she was talking about it, she made like she moved her hands down, like showing she, the box, <laughs> went down the side of her face with her hands to yeah. show what she meant, which was very funny. Um, so I thought that was quite good. I also thought Una finding out that, given what we had just seen a few episodes before, that's what's so remarkable about this, is that this easily could have been just an episode where. Um, you've got it could have been all gags you stick them together it's hilarious but they're actually bringing up these things 
that are very important to the way the show's been going. So the fact that her ad Astra per Astra um, line becomes the recruiting motto of Starfleet in the future. And she was so touched and appreciative that they told her that because she or she is questioning her place in Starfleet. And then to know in the future, she actually will be the face of Starfleet and her personal motto will be the motto of Starfleet. Right. That was very touching. Well, and it's also, if I could jump in on that for a second, it's one of those things like where they say, you know, because they they sort of turn it into a joke in this episode, like, you know, don't say too much because you don't want to affect the future, right? But, like, Boimler and Mariner know that that's, that, that phrasing and that her being the voice of the sort of face of Starfleet recruitment, that's because they went back in time and told her that, right? Like, they essentially create what is that like the predestination paradox i think is what it is like mm-hmm. they know it in their time is that because they went back in time and mentioned that to her so she ends up becoming necessarily because she might yeah. be long dead before they do that do what make her the face of starfleet i don't think they caused her to be the face of starfleet by mentioning it i think that see i think by telling her that like because when you say like you know she was questioning her place they kind of one when they went back and told her that they kind of like okay and they she ends up staying in starfleet which eventually results in that being her being the face of starfleet in the future fair that's fair i do think though there is definitely i think the most significant effect that they have is that they ruin or at least plant the seed for ruining spock and uh Christine Chapel's relationship. I, I, I love I I love that so much. I, like I don't know why I thought that was so funny, but I just there was just something about like yeah that relationship getting wrecked. Not because the two of them couldn't work it out, but because of because Boimler comes back and ruins the timeline, and it's his fault. Yeah. So when we watch the original series, we know partially what we're seeing is Boimler's fault. Right. <laughs> So, a mock time. He's now he now kind of has a he got he in some ways he somewhat he sort of has a role in that. Yeah, but also minor, yeah. In the real emotions of it. I mean, it was funny, but also mm. Chapel was clearly you could see her going through like the recognition of oh shit, right. I'm just a very brief detour on Spock's life yeah. here, right? And yeah, you know this this maybe is not as important as I thought it was to right. to him his life. I mean, because find out that in the future Spock is known only as a rational, not smiling person, and he even this is the interesting thing. He said, "I've read every book on Spock, and they mentioned like his his pet. They mentioned you know, he went through all these people, and Chapel was not one of those people mentioned." Right. right. So I think that also made her realize like, oh, this is not actually going to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And she played it off like, "Well, I didn't want that anyway," but. You know, she was clearly hurt. You can tell by her acting there. Yeah. The thing, I, the other thing I wanted to add, there's a, there's a, there's also a parallel. So you were, you were beginning by talking about that moment with Pike talking to Boimler and Mariner. So for context, it's all about, so Boimler sort of accidentally mentions to them that Pike's birthday is coming up because in the future it becomes a holiday. And the crew right. didn't know that his birthday was coming up, so they want to show him a surprise party. And so Pike, you know, sort of toward the end of the episode, says, like, you know, I don't want a surprise party. I don't want. And then he goes into the story about how he talks about his dad. He talks about how him and his dad didn't get along, which I remember him mentioning that in, New, in I think, New Eden on Discovery. His dad, I think, was like, they always, like, got into, they came into comics. I think his dad, like, had something, I believe it was, like, something to do with religion and he was science. I think it was something like that. I can't recall. But yeah. Pike says something that, parallels a moment in star trek beyond so in star trek beyond it's also we're coming on kirk's birthday and there's a scene between kirk and mccoy kirk's drinking some i think he's drinking like some saurian brandy or something like that and he says that he's going to be one kirk says he's going to be one more he's now one more year older than his father was when his father died oh and which is the exact same thing here with pike different circumstances but a very uh, the exact same emotions that come with that come with that, which I thought was I thought that was actually very interesting. And I, you know, I got to give credit to writers on the show. Now that to me is that a coincidence? I I don't know. I I, I just sort yeah. of think that maybe that's intentional. 
Of course. Yeah. That's yeah. That's too. It's very it's very specific. Yeah, it's very very specific. And and also given like you know the George Kirk stuff they were mentioning last week in last week's episode, so I just kind of felt like yeah, that seems right to me. I think that they were sort of they were just coming off that episode. They were talking about George Kirk, and they just sort of maybe threw that in as Pike sort of going through the same going through the same thing. Which I like. We don't know how Pike, how old Pike is going to be. I'm assuming fifty. I don't know, but uh, I just yeah. So I, I thought that was a really nice touch. I like that they did that. I really liked that Boimler. Oh, here's something interesting that was nice. This was very refreshing. I think for us is that they were doing all this, and in our world. Because we know that we talk about how Lower Decks reflects the fans of Star Trek a lot. Right, right. So in our world, we would expect Kirk would be the person to be mentioned. But right. the fact that there was no mention of Kirk made me very happy. Agreed. Yeah, they sort of like stayed within the time that they were in. They didn't... Yeah. They didn't... And also suggested that this time with Pike as captain of the Enterprise in the in that world is as important as kirk kirk's time right 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 i mean especially now that we're getting a chance to see it play out as a series right but i like that they you know lower decks like the other trek shows has done they all acknowledge that kirk is this very important historical figure but they were sort of christopher pike didn't come up all that often and it's not that he wasn't as important. I just think that there wasn't, I think part of the reason why, I think the main reason why all the other Trek shows, you know, emphasize Kirk so much as being important, just because of how much we had seen him and how important he was to the franchise and how much screen time he had, all the, you know, memorable adventures. But we didn't know anything really about Pike. There's just a few fleeting references here and there. So we didn't, we were sort of very unaware about what his contributions were. And so I like that enough to have his birthday be a holiday. Right. And so I like that Lower Decks is treating it kind of on the same level. And to your point, I didn't and actually I didn't even think about Kirk at all. Like I Boimler his name did not even come up at all. Yeah. You know? Great. Um yep. because here's the thing, right? NCC one seven oh one, that's typically historically probably referred to as Kirk's enterprise and probably because he commanded it the longest. Right. Right. So it's but, mostly yeah, associated he, with him. Yeah. You would always expect someone to come on and say, Oh, it's, who's it was Kirk captain, you know, or make some joke like that. Right. But they didn't go there, which is great. No. Right. Um, which reminds me when boy, we did say that they said, you mean George? <laughs> <laughs> um, it just, Makes me and saying that though just made me reminded me of like one small line I wanted to bring up. So when Boimler comes onto the bridge, and he says, and he's sort of like marveling at the bridge, and he goes, "Oh, NCC one seven zero one dash nothing." And then Laan looks at number one and goes, "What would come after the dash?" <laughs> and just like Marvel. yes, <laughs> yes, that was great. Yeah, that was one of my quotes. Oh, was it? Yeah. Um, yes. Because Although, it's also many. So just kind of stepping back for a second, going back to the beginning of the episode. So when Boimler comes through the portal, he, you know, kind of gets knocked unconscious. This sort of like the lower deck sort of attitude comes into play right away, even when he's not even conscious. So like, you know, they're walking. It's like Pike and Una and Lon walking down the corridor and Una's got his Boimler's um, com, uh, com badge. And she says, oh, it's also a communicator. All you got to do is press this and you hear the sound. And <laughs> Pike says, but flipping it opens. The most fun part. She goes. She goes. I like guys better too. And yeah. I, I thought that was. I'm like, and that was very early. And I thought, okay, this is going to be great. Yes, it's yeah. good because they were yeah. putting. Yeah. They, they, so they adapted uh, the Strange New Worlds crew to be a little bit more lower decks, right? But not right. so much that they weren't completely weirded out by the way the lower deckers talk. Correct. Which was fun to see. Also, so. When, as we were wrapping up last week's episode, we were talking about how we were thinking, how is this going to work? How is it? Because the two shows, we, we went on a few minutes about how t they're so tonally different. And I think it really, it went exactly as I thought tonally. They came, the Lower Deckers come on. They're exactly who they are. And the Strange New Worlds crew 
are like just being kind of foils for them more or less they just think they're so bizarre like there's that moment when Mariner mentions to Boimler, like, I thought you'd be in a dystopian San Francisco in the middle of a riot, which is a reference to past tense. And you hear Una say to Spock, like, have you noticed that their references are weirdly specific? <laughs> yes, Spock doesn't really like it. Right. So, but talk to me about your thoughts on that. So, again, two completely, totally different shows. And yet somehow meshing together almost brilliantly. I think it really worked well because you had the the strange new world crew was getting a, some more jokes like the one about the communicator right and then you had lower decks was getting a little bit more serious dialogue right a la strange new world so they both kind of met in the middle in different moments but mostly it was the foil uh, or just the the, the quote-unquote straight men to the right ridiculousness of the um the the lower deckers even in that moment when Una says that to Spock, like it really, to me, emphasized kind of the absurdity and how they behave on Lower Decks. Because on Lower Decks, everybody acts that way, right? Yeah, well, Mariner is a special case. Ma right. Or Boimler together are especially silly. But it's when she kind of takes Boimler aside and she says, okay, I'm sorry, I'm just going to keep this 100% profesh, but I was yeah. thoroughly <laughs> unprepared for how hot young Spock was going to be. Yeah, yeah. It's the face, the body, right? Which is not unlike when Cisco and Dax were back on the Enterprise in Trials and Tribulations, and the two of them are in their hallway, you know, fixing a panel. I say in quotes, and they see Kirk and Spock come down the hallway, and Dax is sort of ob observing about one of them. It's not really clear who, and she says, "I had no idea those eyes." And Cisco just naturally assumes she's talking about Kirk by saying Kirk had quite the reputation as a ladies' man, and she says, "Oh no, not him, Spock." Yeah, and so and I, I thought that, that was is, a. Yeah. I think time has borne that out. That I think more people find, yeah, Spock the hottie. I think that's probably true. If we did a survey, but I'm not totally sure. But going back to a point you made earlier, so saying that the episode had you know some heartwarming moments i was there was actually a storyline like a, a a plot point that begins on lower decks which is a misunderstanding because they find this portal tendy says that orion's discovered it and boimler says no no captain pike and the enterprise discovered it and they're talking about you know why would orion science ship right and well, and and there's that that assumption made. Well, no, all Orions are pirates. No, they're not. And then that ends up Actually helping them. <laughs> that well, and that ends up helping. Well, they and the thing is, they stole the portal. So I mean, that kind of makes you a pirate. Yes, I don't know. Yeah. Oh no, they were totally were pirates. Yeah. It was, and that's why Pike had to say, like, listen, we'll give you credit. We'll say it was a pot. You were a right. science ship. I like how that. I loved how that became. I loved how they resolved that. And I loved that story bit. Yeah. And I love how when they went back, they said, you know what? You were right. Tendy. It was yeah. your grandma. It was a science ship. So they, you know, they could have easily come back and told her how wrong she was. Right. They did. It was very generous of them. I thought that was a very, very nice touch. Um, I love that moment when, so after the Orion ship warps away and they can't track it, Boimler wants to help. And of course, like Laan and all of them are like, you know, they don't want his help because they don't want to pollute the timeline. And he says, well, I can show you how to do it. And he goes, and he says, what if you guys just don't look? Mm. And number one is like, what do you mean? We can't just not look and looks at Pike. And he says, can we? And you see him fumbling under the console, all wrapped up in cords, just as it would be in a lower decks episode. And they just have the, and they literally just have their backs to him. Like the whole moment itself, even though we're on Strange New Worlds, that entire moment is played beat for beat like it's in an episode of Lower Decks. Yeah, especially when he's tangled up in all the wires. Exactly. Right. Because you would never see that in a live action, but it's only that Lower Decks influence. Hmm. So with this in mind, I mean, seeing Tawny Newsom and Jack Quaid come in as their live action counterparts, I mean... I got to tell you, like for me, it just didn't phase me at all. Like it just, it worked right away. Yeah. We've been saying that since the beginning, that those two could play themselves in live action. Right. We've, I think we've been saying it since the beginning of Lower Decks. 
we have and, to. Uh, we got to see. We actually said they all could. They all could. I mean, I I hope that this isn't the only time this occurs. I mean, I I'm not suggesting that Boimler and Mariner should become recurring every once in a while, you know, guest stars, but no, they just have to get their own ship. One Mariner captain and Boimler number one. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then have a live action series after uh, Lower Deck Sands. When the two of them were going back into the portal at the end of the episode and you could hear uh, Tendi and Rutherford through it, for like a split second, I thought we were going to get live action versions of them as well. Oh, they were going to come through. I thought they were going to come through. Or like maybe you'd see them through it or something, you know? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. But I just think this episode has been getting such positive buzz and I've just been looking online to see what everybody's saying. And, you know, I keep using the term big swing cause that's all I keep seeing online in referencing. It's like, it's such a big swing. Like, and I didn't really think about it too much, but when you really watch the episode and think about all of the things that pretty much had to go right in order to make it succeed, because this whole thing could have just not worked at all. Right. It I, I I thought it made perfect sense from the second I heard it. I didn't think that it wasn't. Here's the thing. I didn't really think it wasn't going to work. I didn't think it was going to be like, you know, like back in. So this is like a weird reference, but like back in the day, like when Seinfeld had that episode where they were just waiting in a Chinese restaurant for a table and the network's like, what the hell is this? Like, this is going to be horrible. It's going to be a real bomb of the season. Like, who does a show like this? I kind of and ended up not being the case. But, like, I sort of had that sort of mentality in mind. Like, is this going to work? Like, how is this going to work? And, but at the same time, you and I have said countless times on the show that, well, if it doesn't work, okay, well, there's next week's episode. It's fine. Two shows that are so high quality and have such goodwill that it couldn't work. Agreed. And I just, it, um, I think just to let it happen, a lot of people had to be open to it because I think, um, I think I think I mentioned this before, but it seems like studios have this tone issue. Right. And um, I remember at a point, like, there was talk of having the Dark Knight Batman in sort of, like, kick off a DC universe. But instead, they said, well, no, that, that tone is too dark. We never could have that character mesh with any other characters because the tone is too different. Mm. And, like, in hindsight, they probably could have been very successful if they hadn't done that but these kind of tone things get in the way where i think people don't mind as much as they think as much as some producers think they will has this idea succeeded in other places like where two shows of two different tones have come together and they work that you know of yeah no, it's rarely done. We talked last week about, you know, yeah, Marvel and you, I think you, I forget the reference you made. Uh, it was She Hulk, oh, I think, right? It was She Hulk, right? Yeah. 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 It's a very, it's a very different character. So it's not. Similar. Yeah. Well, if the show had ended, I guess it was easier because you could just ignore that show. Right. Whereas if it were still going, it would be hard. I just think that. I reading about reading all the positive response, fan responses, news articles about it. It just really, you know, some news articles were declaring it to be a triumph, which I mean, sure. I agree with that, I guess. I mean, it's a, it's a rather, I would say somewhat dramatic word to use, but sure. Why not? Yeah. Cause it was great. Um, I was just, I was very, very happy to see it. it. Like, it's really nice to see Trek succeed in this way. And I'm not wanting to like, you know, call out haters or anything like that because everybody's has different tastes and their track, right? I guess. But I just, I was very happy to see that, like, like to me, even though I love the new shows mostly, um, this kind of affirmed to me that like, yes, they can still do Star Trek and they can still do it well and they can have fun doing it. Right. It doesn't have to just be as much as we may like the older shows, TNG, DS9, Voyager, Enterprise. Tonally, they're all the same. 
And I think by the time you got to Voyager and even in some ways Enterprise, the idea of doing a musical back then seemed absurd. And like, this is not Star Trek, what are you doing? It got to be a little exhausting. Like you wanted, you kind of wanted, you were urging, you were thirsty for the for the tone to shift at times, right? Because we had gotten so locked into the to how those shows were that to make any divergence just seemed strange. It just didn't just didn't seem to fit. Now, they've just gotten so much goodwill that I'm willing to just go along with whatever they want to try because I truly appreciate them trying all of these new things i mean the entire lower decks as a series the entire series was a big swing and i think it and arguably i still think it continue it continues to be it's proven itself but when they announced that show we were like what is how is this going to work what are they you know and it and little did we know it ended up this is before strange worlds it ended up being the best of the bunch yeah, totally, totally. I'm actually trying to find negative comments so we can see what the haters have to say, but I can't find anything because the the normal, um, the usual suspects YouTube channels right. are too busy talking about how Barbie is a um, <laughs> feminist woke propaganda film. So they don't have any time to talk about Star Trek. Also, they only talk about Star Trek when they believe it's failing, not when it's succeeding. Oh, of course. I mean, I think in their minds, Kurtzman's been fired about 12 times by this point, right? Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, It's hard to keep their narrative going that, like, Kurtzman's goal is to destroy Star Trek if uh, things are good. So, yeah. One one thing I thought was was there were so many very tiny references throughout. Very much. And um, I'd like to go through a few of ones that go right ahead. I'm hoping there's one that there's one specific one I have in mind that I'm hoping you picked up on. One was when uh, Boyma said Worf's honor. I didn't catch that at first. No, I I caught that by like the third viewing. I was like, oh, Worf, yeah, yeah, Worf's honor. And he said, oh crap. (laughs) But the thing is, Lon looked at him as if she knew who that was. She kind of like had a reaction. I'm like, wait a minute, but it could be Mm -hmm. Worf's house. Um, when Boimler was getting onto the saddle, he said that's, Riker. That's the one. He because, sat on it just like Riker. I think because, yeah, you have to get on a saddle doing the Riker where you right. lift your leg. So over. really quick, on the ready room, so Tawny Newsom and Jack Quay were there with Jonathan Frakes, and that that moment was totally improvised. So like he, because Frakes is directing, he got mm-hmm. on just like it and said Riker completely improvised. <laughs> that's excellent. Yeah. And uh, Frakes said when his wife watched it, she screamed with laughter. <laughs> Yeah, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. I love that. I love that. Uh, I really liked looking at the tricorder and saying these ones are less likely to explode. And Mbenga says, "Explode?" Because <laughs> yep. that that has happened. We it's a uh, oh I can't remember the episode, but like that did happen. Yeah. Uh, Mariner saying um, about the uniform. Who looks uniform? Say ranks on the sleeve. I don't know about that. <laughs> that was good. Yep. Um, when she said hot Spock agrees with me. Yep. Or like when uh, it's when she says, oh, that sounds logical. And she's like, and she looks at Boyle like, but that's what he says. Like, that's how he talks. <laughs> I like Nazigans are terrible at it, but they love to bet on it for some reason. Yes. Yes. Like, what? It, yeah. What's Tom says? <laughs> that was great. Yes. Um, holy Q. Oh, and they said they got a whole Trelane thing going on at this point. <laughs> no, holy Q. They didn't meet him yet. <laughs> But they they make reference to Trelane, I think. They got a whole Trelane thing going on at this point. Because Trelane from uh from that episode was thought to be uh a Q. Got it. Yeah. Um, later I really on. Like that in all of Boimler's point um freaking out about Pike and like his hair and whatnot, Pike kinda liked it. You can tell he liked it, but yep. he was had to keep up that, you know, that um I'm a captain, I'm a serious man here. But yes. he, was def- he was definitely enjoying it. There was actually a moment um, if I could just jump in for one second. So, um, mm-hmm. and it goes back to what you were saying earlier, like between the conversation between Mariner and Boimler and Pike, there's that moment that there's a moment in this episode where Pike and number one are talking privately. And it's, uh, when Pike says like, you know, I feel like I'm, it's a child here. Like, I don't want them to knock over the furniture, but he has that moment where he says, you know, 
where he gets an insight into how important he is in the future, how he's regarded, like what his legacy is. And he says, you know, maybe my future isn't so bad after all, mm. you know, yes. which I thought was a nice, which I thought was a really nice realization for him. I mean, he had kind of, when we ended last season, he had kind of accepted that that's what it was and he wasn't going to try to stop it. But I like that they revisited it for at least that line of dialogue because maybe yeah, even though he accepted it, it, yeah. But he didn't feel good about it or he didn't feel good, he didn't about, feel good about it. Anything. But now he seems like maybe he realizes, hey, you know what, I do make an impact before that happens. Right. Totally. Nice. Um, what else? I think that's about it. I really do like um, when Spock has sort of figured things out and, and is how Mariner and Boimler are. And they're talking about Mariner um, knowing where to find the piece of the NX-01. And Spock says, it is surprising because she normally does not pay attention. <laughs> so I got to say, I that's a very cool idea. The, uh, the fact that they use a piece from a previous Enterprise onto the it next one. I hope they managed to do that with this one before it got destroyed in Star Trek three. I assume when it was in space talk crawl, somebody managed to take something off and get it onto the enterprise. A. why not? Yeah. But I think that's, was, that's a really cool idea. They didn't even realize that it was there. Yeah. So it's kind of one of those things that go, Oh, why didn't they mention this before? It's like, well, cause nobody even knows for a, still don't know about it. For, a, on don't know about it. for a split second. I was like, are they going to go to the Star Trek museum and get the NXO one? I just because you know why I thought to myself we didn't actually really see it in Picard last season we didn't really get a good shot of it and I thought is this show going to make up for that and take us there and if it was the same they just used the same you know digital model or whatever right it just took out the ships that weren't there yet or if they had like somehow set that point up on Picard where like Jordy could have said something like you know the nacelles all damaged from you know from years and years ago from something that happened. I don't really know what, and it turns out Boimler and Mariner like <laughs> caused some damage to it. Yeah, like he could have some line like you know, oh, we had to replace that nacelle some like years ago. Happened. Yeah, because something happened to it. We're not really sure what, and it turns out it's you know them. They're the, they were the cause of it. I love how. So it kind of goes back to that scene where. Number one, says Spock, you know, have you ever noticed that their references are weirdly specific? It's later in the episode toward the end, as they're putting the piece of the NX-01 in, when the Enterprise crew are talking about the NX-01 crew, and they're talking, they're, they're name dropping, and then, like, one of them's like, we sound like them. Yes, and you yes. Just... And it's great that Uhura is a stand for Hoshi Sato, and yep. take or Travis Mayweather. And, you know, who thought we would ever hear Travis Mayweather's name? I was surprised by that. And I, and I believe um, it's... So we've gotten Archer references many times. Lower Decks mentioned Trip at one point. That was the right. first instance of them mentioning somebody other than Archer. And so this is the second... Dog. Right. And... But this is the first time those other characters have, have been name-dropped. I, I don't... I don't know if T'Pol has been name dropped before. I, I can't recall if she that has. Well, it would have been Spock's place to come in and say, and I have been inspired by the first Vulcan to right. join a vessel to Paul. But that doesn't really But to Lower Deck's credit, I mean, they not only referenced, even though they may not have referenced the integrity, they've at least referenced the theme song. Right, right. Which I thought was great. I, something like T'Pol served the, you know, Vulcans admirably or something. Yeah, I think she she's she's long overdue for some kind of a I think for some kind of a reference. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's nice. Maybe hopefully this is a planting a seed in their mind that they got to do something something with Enterprise. Um, when they get back, when the lower deckers get back to their time, we see you know obviously we see the recruitment poster with Una, and then you see Ransom say uh, number one's the hottest first officer in Starfleet history. Obviously, Jerry O'Connell, who voices Ransom, is married to Rebecca Romaine in real life. So but also numero uno. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, when the new season of Lower Decks begins, I do hope we end up, I do hope we see that poster again. Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah. And then we get to see the animated Strange New Worlds crew because of the strange alcohol they were doing. Oh, God, that was fantastic. That was, again, they, they just went the extra mile 
Indeed. Is this going to make any sense? They went the extra mile many times. So maybe I should say they went they went a few extra miles more than they actually needed to. And I love that they, yeah, they put the entire crew in lower deck style. Mm-hmm. And they were drinking some cocktails. Was that, that the cocktail that Mariner made for them? It was, but they since they ended things well with the Orions, because it, it was an Orion beverage. So when Mariner first meant, made it, there was a significant, there was a specific Orion ingredient she couldn't put in okay. because of the time, because of the time period they're in. But after they sort of resolved everything with the Orions, they gave it to them. So she was able to make it proper. So maybe in some way she inter- ends up introducing it to, yeah. Yeah. And they all hallucinated. And they all hallucinated. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was just, like I said, it was everything I hoped for and more. It was a really, really fun episode and probably an episode I've watched the most. I mean, I, it came out on Saturday of last weekend and I think by Sunday night, I I had already watched it like three or four times. It was, yeah, it was just, it was great. It was great. I mean, they, they succeeded and they just, man. Succeeded yet beyond our expectations. I think maybe we should wrap up because otherwise it's just going to be us uh, repeating funny lines for the rest of the episode. It's going to be, and it's just another, you know, Star Trek episode in a long line of Star Trek crossovers, right? I mean, this is going to be, you know, this is going to be put up alongside, you know, Trials and Tribulations and, uh, God help me, (laughs) Um, just other ones. But I think, I mean, there are other ones. I just, they're just not coming to me at the moment. You know, there's some Voyager episodes that, that feature some next generation characters. But now, and I may be wrong about this. I, I very well could be wrong about this. But I, I feel like, you know, of the crossover episodes, this might be, they might, some, if, if I'm wrong about this, somebody please let us know. Well, Unification count as a crossover episode. Unification. Because that's. Well, what I was going to say was like, is it possible, maybe not the most, but one of the most like. It's a. It's not just a crossover episode, but like the characters interact with each other and they both participate heavily in the plot. It's not like somebody's appearing for like a moment. Like it's not like, you know, when Bones made an appearance for a few minutes, right? Then you. Well, you also have relics. So I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe not. You have relics as well. Because Spock is very important to that. Those two episodes. Right. But okay. But unification in those episodes. But I think maybe I should move the goalpost. Maybe it's more like, you know, an episode begins on this series and it continues in the other series, right? They sort of set it up on one series and then... Trials and Tribulations is the only comparable episode. I think so, yeah. Well, it reminds me of, you know, you want to... You sometimes get a kick out of my stupid, obscure television knowledge, but, like, back in, like, 1979, you had Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley. There was one... Both were on, I think, that season on different nights. You had this one plot line that began on happy days on tuesday and then concluded on laverne and shirley that thursday oh, yeah. they did a lot of that crap so it kind of like reminded me it somewhat reminded me of uh of that but and the dc shows every year would do a, a storyline that would go across every show and at one point i think there were even four or five shows right. so it went from like flash to green lantern to supergirl to legions of tomorrow yeah one big story um but one thing I did see on this went from if they actually had a Stranger Worlds episode and then uh But you know what else it was? Because I, I saw somebody mention this on Twitter. It was actually a really good promotional tool for Lower Decks itself because I saw some tweet, I, I may have retweeted it, where somebody said, you know, I've never watched Lower Decks in my life. But now that I've seen this episode, I think I want to go check it out. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because I guess we just know as, you know, Star Trek fans who watch it right. all. But I guess there could be some people that just well, watch Strange New Worlds. Because the person, I, one of the people I know who loves Strange New Worlds tried to get into Lower Decks, and I think he only watched the first episode, and couldn't get into it. And so I'm I'm wondering how this episode is going to play for him when he finally gets to it. Right. Is and he going to hate it? Yeah. Be too, too reference heavy for some people. Right. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, I'm going to be... Curious to see how Lower Decks brings it up. I mean, we talked about how they have it in the trailer, but is that going to be uh, is that going to be it? Right? 
according to the star date somebody mentioned that this on the lower deck side this happens right after their visit to deep space nine oh yeah which whatever i mean what impact does that have really so yeah i like that boy my star date the past i would say at this point it's my second favorite episode of the season my first my favorite has still has to be number one's trial this one I, this one is right behind it yeah um yeah that's tough i would say maybe they're so different they this are one, but it's a but it's a one. uh but it's episodic so yes yes i mean just hard to compare the two one is i think just in my in terms of my level of enjoyment one and just yeah, yeah. Yes, I think they're equal for me any uh any more odds and ends for you <clears throat> no i think i covered all the odds and oh it was very funny that the fact that the whole um little side story with Mariner and Uhura ended in the translation just saying, this is a time portal. <laughs> that was great because, you know, it was made out to be this very important thing. Yes. And, you know, so that was very, very lower decks. That was very extremely lower decks. Yeah. And especially just the tossed off comment. Like, what about the translation? I already said, this is a time portal. <laughs> very, very good. Yeah. Again, they they meshed well perfectly, and I was just I was here for it. I was, I was yeah, and I guess that's the other interesting thing too is that we got to find out that Uhura is feeling the pressure of her situation, and she's overworking herself, which we already saw some of last episode. But I guess it's continuing, right? Yeah. So, and just to reemphasize, I mean, that's the idea of the show that they wanted to do standalone stories, but they wanted to have emotional serialization, and I yeah. think they've really delivered on that. So yeah. hopefully you don't chill. Totally. Well, that's going to be it then. So um, I also have a little bit of news for the for uh, my listeners. So I was I was having some difficulty with our Instagram account. I couldn't log oh. into it for some reason, and so um, and they were just for some reason not giving me the login info again to log back in. So I was able to finally restore it today. So if yeah. you and I will uh, do my best to be active on there again. So if you want to follow us on Instagram, it is in Star Trek We Trust Podcast. On Instagram, I made an update today. Dope. So, yes, we are on Instagram. We are back on Instagram. I've never, I have not been able to get our original, original Instagram account back. Unfortunately, well, uh, unfortunately. next week is episode eight, titled "Under the Cloak of War." I'd say that like uh -oh. that old announcer, "Under the Cloak of War." Next time on Star yeah. Trek. It says, Captain Pike and his crew welcome a Klingon defector aboard the USS Enterprise, Ooh. but his presence triggers the revelation of some shocking secrets. Now, uh, there was the seed planted at the beginning of the season about a war brewing with the Gorn, and I'm wondering if this, I mean, I'm yeah, just going yeah. by the word war. Does he know something about, about it? Right. I wonder if it'll be a smooth-headed Klingon. I've seen screenshots, and it's not. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean, no notable guest stars other than the Klingon itself. I was looking to see if Kirk was going to be in this one, but luckily he is not. Yay. Yeah. So <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's just called Under the Cloak of War, and we're going to be dealing with a Klingon defector. I like that idea. It reminds yeah, me of the. It'd be a little cute if Kirk were there because we know Kirk has so many showdowns with the Klingons. I mean, it makes me think of the TNG episode, The Defector, but the Romulan Defector. Yeah. Yeah. But. That's cool. I well, the dude at the beginning of um, Enterprise, Broken Bow, totally just sets off that whole war situation. It's just um, we saw the Klingons in the first episode of the season, and that was kind of it. So I like that we're going back to them. I like that they're not this sort of like overarching presence, but I like that the show hasn't forgotten about them either. And I think it's a defector. It's different. It's not just, um, you know, a showdown, a battle, or something. I want this show to bring back the Tholians. Oh, yeah? I want to see the Tholians again. That's fair. Yeah. Enterprise. Hmm. Just like on the, and they did on the original series. But the, they were on Enterprise twice. And Enterprise is the show that establishes what they look like underneath from the, yeah. from the neck down. Yeah. Which I think is cool. So... The what? Not just a triangle head or whatever their head looked like. Yeah. 
They're uh, arachnid-like, made of crystal, and they can only survive in 400 degree Fahrenheit and above well, um, temperatures. And temperatures of up to 400 degrees Fahrenheit. Like the Goron. Goron? No, I guess Goron don't die in cold. They're just, like, hot. Oh, from Zelda. For, I thought you were, like, calling a Gorn accidentally a Goron. <laughs> no, no. Goron. Goron, Goron. There you go. All right, everybody. Thank you again for listening. We'll be back next week to discuss episode eight of season two, Under the Cloak of War. And you live, too. Thank you.